Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome. This is episode three of the Paul Ryder Tapes. As everyone knows, he sadly passed away in July of 2022. But in the months leading up to his death, he sat down with me, his ex-wife, Angela Smith, to record his life story in absolute depth, with all the secrets revealed and no stone left unturned. We had no idea that he was about to die, and we finished recording his life story just 12 days before he passed away. Coming up in this episode... And we just kind of wandered over to each other and started talking, and it was kind of love at first sight. It sounds very strange, but it was. And we just we just clicked. I felt at home straight away with the two brothers. It was like I'd found two people who were like me. Led a really sheltered life. I know, and yet you're yeah. not sheltered now, are you? Well, I bet now. you. <laughs> I educated her. I'm more of a private person, and I don't like people knowing what I'm thinking. And right. I'm, I'm giving away a lot of stuff. So it's, um, yeah, it makes me nervous. He wants to look at crotchets and quavers on the stave. Sat there like Mozart, you know what I mean? Sat that. The Virginian was on, um, um, Bonanza, and... Blue Peter, he was her mm. Crossroads. Crossroads was on, love Crossroads. Wobbly sex. Yeah. Yeah. Crossroads was great. The light entertainment shows back in the 70s, like New Faces and Opportunity Knocks. Did you ever dream of being on New Faces or Opportunity Knocks? No, I was still top of the pops in it. Yeah. Always top of the pops. Yeah. But um, there was more, they was more like variety shows. Right. But we always watched them. Yeah. Paul and Sean's mum, Linda, and Gaz's mum, Sandra, also loved that period. I think the 60s was the best time ever to grow up, don't you? With the fashion, the clothes, you did, young lads wonderful. didn't dress like the dads. Oh. What was the first gig that you ever went to? 
apart from the folk clubs, <laughs> when, it was, when we had to go with our parents. We used to take them with us to music festivals. Who, who did you take them to see? Can you remember any acts that they saw? When well, they, saw? they were mainly folk festivals we took them to. It was folk, you know, Steel Eyes, Span and people like that. We used to sleep in the back of the minivan. Each one could take a friend with them, so there'd be five of us all in the back of the minivan. First proper gig was Sean was working at the post office. I was 14 at the time, and he came home with tickets for the Ramones. The Ramones? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so me and my mate Chris Whittle from school and Sean went to see the Ramones at the Free Trade Hall wow. in Manchester. And there was a band supporting them that wasn't punk, um, but we really liked them and found out it was Talking Heads. Wow, who you ended up working with? Who ended up working on your with? Yeah, yeah. So wow. we went full circle. Did you go and meet them after the gig or anything? No, it's like they was rock stars. They was untouchable. Yeah. yeah. And what did you think of the Ramones? Loved them. Yeah. Loved the Ramones. Have they influenced your music in any way? Do you think? Not really. Not no. really, because they was they, you know some of their songs lasted two minutes and it was so fast. Yeah. You know, but it was like, uh, but I loved it, but there was no groove there. No. I was more into groove stuff. How did you first get into groove? When Paul was a baby, um, I used to be on the piano. Derek could be on the guitar and we'd give, the, we'd give them a tin plate with a spoon. And they, <laughs> they'd bang the tin plate with a spoon. Um, or, oh. a, or, a, or a pan lid for cymbals, pan lids for cymbals. Um, back to playing records at cousins' houses. We had yeah. uh, we had more cousins from my auntie Winnie's side who had four daughters, and they was a bit older than me, bit older than Sean. A couple of them, one was my age, but they was they was the ones that was into the Motown stuff that introduced right. us to Motown. Right. Yeah. But the funk, that whole funky bass sound, mm. where, where was that from? Was it like Funkadelic or...? Another album that changed my life, I think it was 17 or 18. We used to go, go to the local nightclub, the uh, Oliver's it was called in Swinton. And one night they was giving albums out and I got a Funkadelic album and went home and never heard of them. Went home and played it and it just blew my mind. Really? Yeah, I really got into Funkadelic from that day. Because that definitely influenced yeah. the direction of the Mondays, didn't oh, it? Oh, definitely, that yeah. That groove, that bass groove. Yeah. How would you, if you had to describe the Mondays sound to somebody who'd never heard of them before, because mm -hmm. I always struggle to describe Me it. Me too. <laughs> really, it's like indie rock with grooves. Yeah. I think that's all I can say. Do you think that everything got spun in its head when, we're jumping ahead here, but when Pills and Thrills came out and Oak and Fold and Osborne mm -hmm. produced that album, yeah. it kind of took everything into a different direction. You were more indie before then, yeah. and that took it into like the, the dance arena and Acid yeah. House was just all kicking off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, we recorded that. We, we went to Capitol Studios. I in LA. In LA, yeah, to record Pills and Thrills, what became Pills and Thrills. And we went with 
four or five different ideas for songs and we finished them off in the studio and the rest of the album I think like four songs we wrote in the studio wow there on the on the spot Wow. And Paul Oakenfold, who we're going to be hearing from a lot more in future episodes, remembers that something exceptionally special was being created at that time. Everything about my relationship with Happy Mondays felt natural. It was one of those special moments that you don't get often in music. You don't get often, this is going to be a hit. We are, we are creating more than a record. We are creating a movement. You very, very rarely get that. Otherwise, everyone would be making hits. Right? Did you know? I knew. I knew. I knew. I, I, I'm so... And this isn't me being big-headed. It's just being honest. I was so confident that this was the beginning of something big. I remember I'm playing it on the dance floor, seeing the reaction of the crowd, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sensing this is something new and fresh and different. It was, you know, it, it was the right time at the right place. And in music, it doesn't happen often. So you found yeah. L.A. very inspirational. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like there's the spirit of L.A. in that record? Oh, definitely. Yeah, you couldn't it, have done that if you were in Swinton. No, no, no. 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 And it, it, sounds, um, it sounds extravagant going to L.A. and recording at Capitol Studios, but it was just the same price as recording in London. Was it? Yeah. Or even with all the accommodation costs and yeah, everything. Yeah, because we would have had to have accommodation in London. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah, so it worked, it's, you know. Warmer. Mm -hmm. We'll come to that later. We'll talk in a lot of depth about Pills and Thrills later, yeah. but yeah. Um, let's just finish off talking about your childhood. Mm -hmm. Um so your first gig was the Ramones. Are you sure it wasn't like something really naff and you're just too embarrassed to say? I did see the Roubettes. <laughs> but they was only opening a big, a big supermarket in Warden. The Roubettes opened it and Huey Green opened it as well. Oh, he cut funny. the ribbon. But the Roubettes was there miming to one of their hits. Wow. They would have been on... 20 fantastic, not 20 fantastic hits by the yeah. original artists, but top of the pops albums. Definitely, yeah. Let's talk about what the process was of getting the band together. Whose idea was it? And what was the very first spark of the Mondays? Um, Sean had a band with our Matt, Matt Carroll from Central Station Design, my cousin, and his mate, Lanky. <laughs> so there's Matt, Lanky and Sean, and they did a, a recording in my nana's front room of this song, and it was awful. <laughs> it was terrible. Have you so, still got that anywhere? No, but I know how it goes. Go I might on. sing it later. Um, Sing it now, go on. No, I can't, I can't. Um, so they did that probably for about a week, two weeks, hmm. and then split up. Why artistic differences? Probably, yeah. <laughs> probably. It was more fun going to the pub for them. Um, so after they did that, it gave me the idea of um, forming a band. Right. And... Um, how old were you at the time? Must have been 18. Okay. Maybe 17. Working in the clothes shop still? No, I was at the post. I was, I was delivering telegrams at this point. Right. 
thinking of how do we get out of this? How do I start traveling? Still thinking the same. And it was like, okay, form a band. First thing you got to do is get a gig. Then you got to get a record out. Then you travel. <laughs> so we formed formed the band, went through a few different Who's names. We? Me and Sean. Just you and Sean. You were the it, two original members. Two original you? members, yeah. Paul and Sean asked Gaz Whelan to be the drummer, but his mum Sandra explains that this almost never happened. I was always on top of trees and I was swinging off to it like a bloody monkey, really. It was just that, and it, it broke the oh, but it was mad. It was shattered his arm and his shoulder, and they were going to amputate at one time. It was that bad, eh, really? And yet he managed to play the drums yeah. like he did. The very first time I met him was. Well, to the side street up from where I lived, and uh, he was just sat on the curb, really quiet. And we were all playing football, and he didn't. I just remember, and I remember him. I just, I just remember him. I remember it was him, and he didn't say anything. He was very, plenty, very cool, like I was a very quiet. Well, people think he's very cool. He's very quiet, really. He he's shy of a lot of things, rather than rather than really cool. Though he was cool as well. But you know what I mean? After he came out of hospital, he, he was going for physio and different things for, for quite a few weeks. And we came out with Salford Road and we were at the bus stop waiting for a bus to go back to Wardley. And there was this woman in the queue and she said, oh, have you been to the hospital? I said, oh, yeah. She said, oh, it was if you had a bad day. So I was telling her all about it anyhow. And she said to me, he'll be all right, him, you know, she said. I said, well, he wants to be a footballer, I said, but I, I don't know now, you know, he's lost a lot of confidence. And she went, he won't be a footballer. I thought, fancy telling me that, and him, well, he's stuck there. And he was only 11, as I say, and she said to me, I'm going to tell you what, now he's going to be in a band and they're going to be very popular. Mm. I said, he's in a band. I said, he, he couldn't move his arm. <laughs> she went, I'm telling you. And I always remember that. I was a woman oh, at a bus stop. And I've never forgot that. Shawman married to this girl, Denise, and her younger sister, Bev, was in my class at school. And Mark Day was in the fifth year and I was the first year, but he had a younger brother in my year. And they were both saying to me, our brothers and my sisters are in this band. They want you to come as a drummer. And I said, well, I've got, I'm not a drummer, I've just got a drum kit. And I thought it can't be the same band. And they, they kept persistently asking, I put it off. And then one day they were rehearsing in the school in the room I learned to read and write in, in this church, little church school across the road from where I used to hang out on this park. So I, curiosity got the better of me and I walked over. And I realised it was the kid with the cool air from when I was when I was like nine years old. I'd known Gaz for that long, but I didn't know his name. So it turns out to be Gaz Whelan. And he went to that practice, didn't he? He yeah, was only about 13 In the school, yeah, the school at All Saints. Yeah. And it was, there was Sean there, and Mark Day was there, so I'd seen them before. And then I spotted on the other side, Paul. And he had a big cardigan on. And he was kind of, he, he, them, the, both them to introduce themselves, Paul would look me in the eye and he kind of like, all right, all right, and he would mumble. Right? And I sat down and, and they played the songs, and it was obvious that it was Paul's band, even though he was the quiet one. They were all bass line driven. And uh, I was kind of watching him. Kind of Sean had all this echo on his, on his voice and you couldn't really hear what was going on. Mark was off doing all this mad guitar. But the bass lines were really catchy. And he was stood and he, he dressed, he looked, I remember him looking really smart. He dressed really smart. And I just thought he was really striking to look at. Then as the rehearsals finished, kind of Mark packed up 
and went and Sean did. And we just kind of wandered over to each other and started talking. And it was kind of love at first sight. It sounds very strange, but it was. And we just we just clicked. I felt at home straight away with the two brothers. It was like I'd found two people who were like me, even though they were very different than me. They weren't into football. They didn't hang around with a big group of people. But they seemed very similar. And they, they, some, all of a sudden in that room, I felt like I'd found my two friends. But it became very apparent within a couple of hours that there was one friend who was going to be my real friend. Not because Sean didn't do anything I didn't get on with. I just kind of was attracted to Paul. There was just something we got on. And they liked him and he liked them and that was it. Mm. Yeah. And by the second rehearsal, we, we were best mates. By the first time I brought my drums down and played nothing to do with bass and drums, we were just best friends. I thought it's really weird that maybe like my mum and Linda, we just we just clicked. And his mum let him have a week off school. Really? Did yeah, she? To learn the bass, to learn the drum patterns that we was doing. So he had a week off school. He, he got the job anyway because he came dressed cool. <laughs> With cool hair. Yeah, cool hair. Did he have his long hair at that point? He was getting long, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he had a side parting flick. Yeah. Um, but he came to meet us and he had, he had the right pants on the right jumper, the right shirt, the right shoes, and it was like, OK, he's in. Do you think he was a bit intimidated because you were a bit older than him? Um, mm, possibly. So, so that's how Gaz got the job. And Mark Day just happened to be working with my dad at the post office. They was both postmen, and my dad knew he was looking for a guitar player, so he suggested Mark. I think me and Sean went, went round to see him. He'll remember. First time I got involved with uh, Paul and Sean was when I met his dad at the post office in Farmworth. And they used to come in at five o'clock in the morning. That was the start time. And there's only a small office of about 20 blokes. And uh, they had makeup on, eyeliner, because they'd just done all the comedy duarts around um, Lancashire and stuff. And um, I was always reading the sounds melody maker and stuff. And I got talking to Barry, who was, you know, Derek's compatriot in the old comedy thing, whatever they did, and um, we just started talking about music, and then he happened to mention that um, Derek's son was sons were looking for a guitarist uh, and invited me down to um, have an, like an audition, in a way. And, uh, well, I turned up in a Queen T-shirt. Obviously, I was still in the prog rock era. I was still trying to learn guitar. As a guitarist, you learn guitar music. And they were dressed in Perry Boys and all sorts. I thought, oh, look at this, this is different. And then um, I've met them totally from different music ends of spectrums because I was listening to I had a Queen T-shirt. I'd just been to see them, um, loved Brian May's guitar work, and I was into all the, you know, other bands, like Zappa, Zeppelin, you know, I was into all that. And they were totally from a different other end of the spectrum of music, which they introduced me to. I, I, I've, I've, I turned up with my brand new guitar case and brand new guitar that I just bought, I'm so proud of. So, yeah, and then I think Matt was there as well, actually. And he, he had a, yeah. his guitar in a plucky bag or something, which was like... <laughs> can you play guitar? Yeah, I can play guitar. I was like, right, you're in the band. Okay. It was as simple as that. Yeah, no, and uh, we just went from there, really. Uh, and obviously they liked, Sean and Paul liked, you know, it worked, it gelled. Derek was there doing all, Derek Paul's dad was doing all the, the, the sound and stuff and the mixing their stuff. Reading music, to be honest, when we were learning, was we never wrote a record or done anything. It's boring. He wants to look at crotchets and quavers on the stave. Sat there like Mozart, you know what I mean? Sat that. I'd rather do a load of drugs and do music than do that. That's too a curriculum. <laughs>
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And what about Paul Davis? When- Paul Davis came along because he was at school with Gaz. Oh, okay. It was like, what, what? Gaz was like, I want to bring my mate to rehearsals. I was like, we'll bring him then. PD started coming to rehearsals. Gaz invited me down, Gary Whelan, and we went yeah. to see them, and I was fascinated with them. I thought Paul was really cool with the bass sound. I've never heard a bass close up, you know, with a live band, because I was a kid yeah. at school, and I was just badly influenced. We became friends. PD, <laughs> I, I want, want to be in oh, the band. Oh, PD was Gary's best friend at school. Oh, PD. He knocked on our door one night. Yeah. 11 o'clock it was. <laughs> Can I be in the band? <laughs> so he wanted to be the singer, but we've got a singer. Yeah. PD said, well, what with the drummer? He said, you can't get the drummer. I'll play the guitar and the bass. <laughs> no, we've already got them. So that's when we said, well, what about keyboards? Yeah. You can be the keyboard player. You haven't got a keyboard player, and PD was like, no, that's for weirdos. <laughs> Did he not play the keyboard no, before then? never. Oh, that's funny. Never. We had a little set of keyboards, oh. and he came round, and Derek showed him cards, and I wrote the notes on the keyboards, what they were. But he had like a little Casio. Keyboard is that big, and Derek built him a big uh, a, a keyboard stand, which is twice the size of the keyboard. Do you remember the day when they said, "Oh, come on, you come, come and join us and play keyboards"? No, but I'm glad they did. <laughs> Even though I couldn't play, they're all patient with me. I was a bit uh, slow, and they all, you know, they could play and everything. And I was a slow learner. But I got there, we got, we got it together. But when PD came, and he couldn't really play, he learned to play as we went on the fly, which a lot of people did in the 80s, you know, Depeche Mode thing, it was all that one finger thing. He changed the sound of the band, he really did. He had a big influence, PD. No, you know, maybe he didn't, he didn't realise he did. But we kind of changed, you know, it kind of changed the, the style of it, you know. Mark has a fond memory of how PD once helped get them some press. We tried to do a Beatles number, and it went really bad. Um, dun, 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 dun. yeah, it just didn't work. Probably because we was on mushroom juice at the time. Um, and then it all kicked off. Um, some some bright sparks. I did have some mushroom juice before a gig, right? <sighs> so the next thing, right? All PD has to do is press the button on his his keyboard to activate the song because it's all linked up. 
could he do it? No, he's pissing about. Next thing, I got fucking frustrated, walked up. And I don't know what happened, but my fist left my shoulder and hit him right in the mouth. He fell backwards, hit the monitor behind him and kicked the keyboard and the song started. I thought, oh, brilliant, right. Got ready to play. Next thing, he's frothing at my mouth, comes over, smacked me in the head. Next thing, the crowd are going ape shit. They had to put all the smoke on to hide it. And that's how we made it in the morning because all the Daily Star, the Sun, it was all a local band from Manchester fight on stage. Brilliant, we made the press. We got what we wanted. That was it. That's how you do it. So mm-hmm. that was it. That was the core that of the was... original lineup of the band. So no Rowetta, no Bez at this point. No Rowetta, no Bez. So how many of you were there? You, Sean, Gaz, Mark, Paul Davis. Five of you. Five of us, yeah. Okay. That was when the name Happy Mondays came. And did they all agree to that straight away or was there an argument over it? No, we, usually if there was a name suggested, it would last two or three days or maybe a week. But the Mondays lasted like four or five weeks and it was like, it was time to get a gig. So we kept the name. Even though um, New Order brought out the song Blue Monday, Mm. we was called Happy Mondays before Blue Monday came out. Right, yeah. We was going to change it at one point because of New Order. That was about 83, I think, Blue Monday, wasn't it? So we did think about changing it. But then it was like, it's too late, we'd already got a gig at the gallery in Manchester. So talk me through those first few rehearsals. Can you remember where they were, what happened? Yeah, it was in Mark Day's loft, (laughs) in his his parents' house, up in the attic. (laughs) His dad had converted the attic for for his brother Nigel uh, to sleep in. But at six o'clock... We would go up there, Gaz with just a snare, um, bass, guitar and a little vocal amp and we'd rehearse there for like four or five hours. Well, I was desperate and I was very surprised that my mum and dad said, yes, you can use the loft, which had been converted because it was our kids, but we had to be separated. I was a blue, he was a red, he was a mod, I was a rocker. We didn't get on. So the whole street could hear us banging away there. Everybody thought, what the hell's going on? Because if you're in the loft, it's like being outside. <laughs> we was doing cover versions. Were you? What yeah. songs did you cover? We did a couple of Joy Division songs yeah. and we did I Fought the Law, the oh, Clash the version. Clash. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we did a couple of... Uh... But the, was the aim always to write your own stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We was doing cover versions so we could learn our instruments. Right. So when you did your first gig, yeah, was it all covers or did you do? No, we'd got a couple of our own songs by then. Yeah, and how did it work with writing the music? Did you all contribute? Did was Sean involved in the music part of it, or what about the the lyrics and the melody? Sean was he was there, and listening and writing lyrics as we was jamming and getting songs together. Right. I mean, it usually came from the bass line. Yeah. I'd go on with the bass line and we'd work around that. Right. But Sean was there while we was doing it, writing lyrics. Did that peter out later on in terms of the songwriting process? Did did he stop writing songs with you in the room? Yeah. yeah. When, when uh, did that peter out? Probably we were still in a rehearsal room in Stratford where we took 
the four songs that ended in Pills and Thrills. So probably 90, after that, 91. So Yes Please wasn't that process then at all? No, he had, he was hardly in the studio. Right, which he was, was part of the problem, wasn't it? Yeah. The and infamous came, story of that album. Came back with, came back with no lyrics. Mm. Mm-hmm. Then they were to be done afterwards. Mm-hmm. They was done afterwards. Do you think that affected? I mean, I personally think there's some genius tracks on that album. It's mine and Gazzy's favourite album. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple of dodgy ones in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a couple of my favourite ones on there too. Yeah, I, I loved making that record. It wasn't as chaotic as people think. But do you think it suffered because he wasn't in the room when you were doing the music? I think he suffered because he was getting no inspiration. Right. He, you know? Yeah. He was just off doing his uh, doing his thing and not coming in the studio. Why do you think he did that? Again, we'll talk in more detail about yeah. that further on down the line, but why do you think he didn't? Because of the drugs? Because a big bottle of methadone was dropped on the floor in Manchester Airport. Yeah. So he ended up in Barbados with no methadone. Right. So he just switched drugs yeah. to cope. Yeah. You know, if he hadn't dropped that bottle of methadone, who knows what would have happened. Wow, that could have been a completely different album. Mm-hmm. And then since then, the Mondays, the real Mondays have not written an album together, is that right? That's correct, yeah. We did one song uh, a couple of years ago when we went to Panama. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did Ooh La La in Panama. Yeah. And Sean was there while we was jamming and getting that together. Right. Scribbling away like the old days. Oh. Yeah. Did that not inspire him to want to do a whole album then, do you think? Mm, maybe. He's probably even forgot he did it. Did that sell that record? I'm not sure. It was a charity record, Charity, yeah. It? All the sales went... It was yeah. done on download. Yeah. And all the sales went to that village. Yeah. And then, no, it was up for an award, that one. That, what? P- that particular show, the Mondays one. Mm, was it? Yeah. Gaz remembers a classic Paul and Sean argument from those days when they were in the jungle. And the argument was over, who had the biggest belly? And they actually had the bellies out, and they were like, my belly's bigger than, no, mine's bigger than yours. No way. <laughs> and it's, you know, I, seriously, true, true. It started off about something else that ended up who had the biggest belly. <laughs> Every one of the band members at this time had grown up in Salford and Paul and Gary's social spirit had clearly been inherited, at least in part, from their mothers, who also grew up there. I was brought up right near the docks. You know, so people go, oh, and all the brothels. We used to go in these pubs when they let you out and you used to have to have a pass to come out of the dance hall to get in the pubs for a drink. Didn't really drink, perhaps I'd one drink and you'd have one pint. And we were like 15, 16 at the time. And all the sailors were in there with the prostitutes, right? <laughs> I mean, my mum and dad nearly nearly died when they found out. But then they'd start a fight, oh God, and the stools, not the teddy boys, the prostitutes were the sailors and the, the stools would go across the room and they'd be fighting and oh I'd go home and out my mum and say oh I've just heard there's been a terrible fight on Regent Road again you don't go in now I was Sandra you don't go in then but I said oh no oh telling lies to your mother yeah, well, I had to. 
Tell me about the fifth album that's called by the Happy Mondays. The only thing I had to do with the fifth album was making up the title. Sean Uncle doesn't know this, does he? He does now. Does he? Oh, yeah, yeah, Did yeah. Amelia tell him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my, na- my name for Sean was Uncle Dysfunctional, <laughs> <laughs> which I think suits him round to the ground. Um, and Amelia told him that Amelia, I called... your daughter. My daughter, yeah, told Sean that that's what I called him. And he must have liked it because he called the album Uncle Dysfunctional. Well, that's the only thing I had to do with that. I had nothing to do with the music, yeah. nothing to do with any of it. Right, so you the know. only original members of the band on that album are Gaz Wheel and Sean? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Ro- Rowetta? No, she wasn't even on it, She was wasn't she? on it, no. no. Bez, Bez didn't do any dancing at the shows or anything. Did he not? I don't think so, no. Wow. I was a country bumpkin. Well, and nothing uh, changed. Money, <laughs> money, <laughs> I've led a really sheltered life. I know, and yet you're yeah. not sheltered now, are you? you well, I bet you. <laughs> <laughs> I educated her. <laughs> Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So, The World Awaits album number six. Mm-hmm. At the moment, me and Sean aren't on the same book, never mind the same page. And until we get on the same page, on the same book, there won't be an album. No. So it means that you'd have to repair your relationship with him in order for the to yeah, be an album. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Is that likely? It's possible. Anything's possible. Mm. Do you want to do another album? Yeah, I've got five albums worth of material. Have you? Yeah. Well, we're going to be hearing some of your new material. Oh, cool. Later. Um, so album number six remains just an enigma at this point. Yeah. Um, it's we're not saying never, mm-hmm. but we're not. We're also saying not anytime soon. Is that correct? I'd say that was correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can um, we stop now? I'm exhausted. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Why are you tired? It's just hit me. I've been up since three o'clock this morning. Why? That's when I get up. Were you nervous doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? 
Just because I'm not really a big talker. You are, you can talk. Mm. When you're talking about something you're passionate about, though, it's easy to talk about. It's when you have to make stuff up or really mm. rack your brains for something. But is it difficult for you to talk about all of this? Yeah, really difficult. Why? Because I'm, I'm more of a private person and I don't like people knowing what I'm thinking. And right. I'm, I'm giving away a lot of stuff. So it's, um, yeah, it makes me nervous. So why do you want to do it? To dispel all the um, misconceptions and rumours. And there's a lot of stuff that needs to be put right. Mm -hmm. There was a really horrible article in one of the tabloids a year or so ago, mm -hmm. um, which was basically you just slagging Sean off. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, the, the journalist got me at a vulnerable moment mm. and uh, I did slag him off and I felt like it was revenge for all the stuff he's wrote in these books about me that isn't true. Yeah. So... Um, Do you regret that, though? Um, no. You don't? No. But it really did you a lot of damage because you were just about to go on tour with him when that article came out and I know he was... Really upset by it. Oh, he was very upset. Do you not regret that, though? No. Why? Because I wanted revenge. Because he's upset you? Yeah. How's and it? now it's over and done with. How does it make you feel, though, when he slags you off? It's just not nice, is it? No. It's just not cool. It's not cricket. No. It's not cool. Would and that just... wasn't really cool of me to slag him off in the newspapers, but I did do. Hmm. Did it make you feel better? For a minute. And then what? And then I just had to forget about it. Yeah. Did you think it was a mistake, though? Possibly. If you want to build a bridge, it was probably a mistake, but <laughs> you're trying to give him a dose of his own medicine. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Here you go, dude, take this. Yeah. All the mud you've thrown at me over the years. Yeah. Here's what I think of you. Yeah, but you don't really think that, do you? No. No. Just in that moment. Just in that moment. Mm. You know, he's my brother, I love him. But he's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break there. Okay. But we've got loads more to talk about, haven't we? In this therapy session. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it feels like? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. I don't mind. I did therapy for six years. Did you? Yeah. Did it do you any good? Yeah, it did me really good. I felt like all he did was blow smoke up your ass, though. Oh, no, he didn't do that. Did he not? No. Are you sure? Yeah. No, no, no. Well, that's not my business. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll be back. We'll be back. Yeah, we'll be back. I mean, we've so much more to talk about. We've got all the albums to talk about. We've got your battle with heroin addiction, crack addiction, alcohol addiction, the whole mm -hmm. addiction stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've got... Your um, the breakup of our marriage, oh infidelity oh galore, and we've got your son's battle with cancer to talk about. Yeah, and we've got John Cale to talk John about. Cale to talk Martin about. Hannah, Martin talk Hannah. About Martin. More about Tony Wilson. You no, know, Martin was only forty-three when he died. Yeah, I didn't know that your your mum's got his gold disc on her, yeah. on her wall. That yeah. was nice. He left it to Derek in his will. Oh, no, I don't know. Did yeah, it? he left it to your dad in his will. Did he? Yeah. 
that's what she told me. Mm. Yeah. And what else have we got to talk about? I mean, there's so much, isn't there? Oakenfold and Osborne. Oakenfold and Osborne. Chris and Tina, the rhythm section from Talking, Talking Heads. Heads. We've know. got your solo project, Big Arm. Big Arm. Which is going to be re-released, I oh, believe. Yeah. <laughs> really good album, that. It's a great, I love that album. It did me really good. It was That was like having therapy. I know. Right I know. in that. Yeah. So loads we'll talk, talk about, about that as well. Yeah. And loads of your other, I mean, you've got several, you've got, I don't know, about six other musical projects that yeah. we can talk about. Like I say, I've got loads of Monday stuff ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. At least 15, 20 songs. Yeah. Well, we're going to be hearing some of the tracks that have never been heard before as mm -hmm. well at the end of uh, the episodes. So Great. Good stuff. Lots of stuff coming up. This gig we got through without Paul. We kind of thought, oh, we got through that. Okay, that wasn't too bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought. And then on the way home, we all sit in the same place. And uh, Mark usually sits in the front, but for some reason, Mark sat where Paul sat. He's probably sitting at the window, I sat at the door gap in between us and Mark leant over and he was crying so he put his head on my shoulder and started crying he went we never stop anymore for a sig break or for a piss stop do we and he's like and that's when it kind of hit us it just seems weird it doesn't seem like because you know it, it, it's been part of my life since I was 15 and my job and everything you know and he's my best, my best mate my best mate my number one best mate he called me Quagmire for years I didn't know what it was until I saw a family guy and I was like you bastard There's going to be some great guests coming up in the next episode, including Peter Hook. Here's a sneak preview. I phoned Barney up and said, listen, I said, there's a band we should go and see. It's only 50p, um, although probably 50p then was quite a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> um, I said, we should go and see these bands. I said, they have a fight at every gig. I remember third year at school, the English teacher, I always remember it saying, everybody's got a talent. You might not have discovered it yet. Mm. And I was thinking, I ain't got a talent. I, I'm not talented at much, really. I didn't like the Sex Pistols. Uh, I appreciated them years later. In fact, um, down the line, as years had gone by, I met quite a few of them at different social functions. We're playing out with a really popular big arm track called Love Is and look out for that being re-released very soon. Thank you so much for all the incredible support that you've given this podcast. Paul, I'm sure, is looking down from up there and is so proud of himself for creating a number one music podcast both in the UK and in Ireland. It'd make us really happy if you could give us a nice review and rating and please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Glistening Stories, so that we can continue to give you this content for free. And it also ensures that you don't miss out on any future episodes. We've got loads more great stuff to come, so please join us again next week. The podcast drops as usual on Friday night at midnight in the UK or 4pm Pacific time. Check out Glistening's other podcasts, Accidentally MILF, which has just launched, as well as Soul Bear Sessions and Framed for Murder, the case of Matthew Turner, which is coming soon. Thanks again for listening and see you next week. Some of these things are just like having. Some of these things are alive and living. Some of these things I don't like giving. Some of these things I'm meant for loving. Some of these things are just like having. Some of these things are alive and living. Some of these things I don't like giving. Go
it got to the stage where we could go to the YCW, the Young Christian Workers. Oh, it's boring now.